Do you want a cash-flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom? Sunsets and palm trees on your terms. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started with no money or credit and quickly grew a multi-million dollar portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson, and today we have got a really unique podcast that we're going to do today, and we're going to talk to someone that's really experienced and understands the residential assisted living. So my guest today is Isabel Garino. Isabel is a sought-after coach and trainer at the Residential Assisted Living Academy, the RAL Academy is a premier source for education in owning, operating, and investing in residential assisted living and senior housing. They have trained people from across the country on how to turn a single family home into a cash flowing machine. Their motto is do good and do well. So Isabel is the chief operating officer of the Residential Assisted Living Academy, and she's excited to be here today. So I'm going to tell you, this is going to be a podcast that you're going to want to listen to. Isabel brings a lot of magic. She goes in detail about what it is, how it works, how to set it up, some of the goods, bads, and the uglies, guys. But before we get to that, though, a word from our sponsors. Hey, this is Shelly Peterson, Corey's better half. My husband shares amazing stories of the good, bad, and ugly of apartment investing. And while many of you want to do this yourselves, we have found that a lot of you would like to invest alongside with us. If that is you, I want to invite you to get on a short webinar where we discuss our deal room and how you can be a part of our private investor club. Go to kahunainvestments.com forward slash webinar and register now. You won't be disappointed. Again, go to kahunainvestments.com forward slash webinar and we look forward to sharing our private deal room with you. All right, we're going to get back into it. I'm so excited to get this one going. Let's get into it. Isabel, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Man, I'm so excited to have you here. And really, uh, we've not talked in a while. And what you guys do is short of unbelievable, I think. And there's so many ways to make money in the multifamily space, the commercial space. And you're going to talk about another little sector. But before we do that, I would love for you to give everybody a wonderful introduction of you and a little bit about you and you know a little more around it. Who is Isabel? Yeah. So I'm the COO of Residential Assisted Living Academy. We teach and train real estate investors and entrepreneurs how to start, own, and operate their own residential homes being used for senior housing. And it's not exactly multifamily. I know we've had these conversations, but it's a little bit more in-depth than just a regular single-family investment. So it's kind of that nice in-between. Yeah. Here's the thing, right? The market's always changing. And right now, we're trying to find opportunities. And one of the things I've learned, if I looked at them over my lifetime, if you follow baby boomers and what their needs are, you usually are probably going to be in a good spot. And what you're talking about is not buying commercial. We've all seen the big commercial homes for people that are getting up there in age. That's not what you were talking about. Nope. Let's jump into it. Tell me more about what this is. Yeah. And I couldn't agree with you more, right? The baby boomers have been driving the economy for the last 70 years And people think that there's this greatest transfer of wealth coming where the boomers are going to pass their money to Gen X or millennials. No, they're not, right? They're stopping off in assisted living for an average of three and a half years. 
before that money gets passed on. And average rates in our country today are like $4,500 a month. That's a lot of money that is going to be going into their home care and assistance before anything gets passed on to the next generation. So when we talk about residential assisted living, it is using a single family home, but not like a three, two, more like a luxury upscale home in a nice part of town um, with multiple bedrooms and bathrooms. And you're housing anywhere from six to 16 seniors in the home, depending on your market and what's allowed with your license. But what we really focus on is owning the real estate, owning the business, not working in it day to day, not caring for the seniors day to day, but hiring the licensed appropriate staff to do that so that you can just operate the business, work on it, not in it. You're being a business owner, right? Just like I just went to Ortho, Arizona. Yeah. The guys that own Ortho, Arizona own the clinic yep. and they pay the doctors to show up. Maybe they have license, but they have the right to do business and have the right people that have the license needed to practice. Exactly, exactly. And so we're just talking about the same setup, except we're not having to buy a $40 million you know, I've seen some of these residential assisted living commercial buildings. They're ginormous. Yeah, they're huge. And unfortunately, right, the care that's happening in those facilities, typically it's 20 seniors to one caregiver. That's not okay, right? Like one person can't take care of 20 people. And so they're not getting the top quality care that you think, oh, if I pay top dollar and put mom in the fanciest chandelier in the best spot in town, she's going to get the best. Not necessarily. If I was to ask and pull seniors, do you want to, right, live in a big facility or live in a home? They're going to say, I want to live in a home, like a house. Yes, 90% of seniors want to stay in their own home, but it's actually not really feasible these days because they're not set up for it. They're not set up for it. And if you need assistance, right? If you fell and broke your hip and you need help walking, bathing, going to the bathroom, eating, taking medication, any of these things, right? Like you need someone there and the cost to have a caregiver come and live with you one-on-one and take care of you, the national average is $27 an hour. So if you need 24-7 care 30 days a week at $27 an hour, that's 19 grand a month. Most seniors cannot afford that. Now we just price ourselves out of everything. Basically, you know, a lot of people promise their loved ones, I'll never put you into a home. Like, I'll leave you at home. We'll take care of you. Okay, start doing the math. Like, how are you going to afford this? You better start buying some insurance right now, but better yet, build something that takes care of them, really. Exactly. And that's what we always encourage people to do is we got into this because my grandmother needed help and we couldn't find anything suitable for her. And so it was like, wait, 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 we're going to pay five grand a month for her to live in this home or we own it. She lives for free and we cash flow 10 grand a month. It made a lot of sense to just if you're already investing in real estate, just add this to your portfolio as a plan for yourself and your own family. If and when someone needs care and assistance, they can come stay at your place for free, get much better care, and you're cash flowing. I mean, win-win. Well, and here's the thing too, is like, these are nice homes, by the way, right? So like, there's always a plan B built into these homes because they're still going up in value. Yeah. Because let's say, well... I don't want to do it forever. I run my thing for 10 or 15 years. Look at the single family space. Um, I don't believe they make good rental properties, right? But you don't make money on the rentals. You make them by holding them for 15 or 20 years. 
and then you sell it, then you're like, oh, I made the payday. The challenge is to get 10 years, 15 years down the road on little cash flow because one vacancy eats it up. Yeah. So this is a great way, but just from the business aspect, if you just do the numbers again, like give us some numbers again, show us what is the average? I'm just curious. Do you know this? Yes. So average, right? If we say it's $4,500 per month per person on average, you're allowed to have somewhere between six and 16 residents in the home. So we'll go with 10 for easy math. That's $45,000 coming in gross every month, but you have expenses. You've got to pay for those caregivers, the food, the cable, the activity, the liability insurance, property insurance, you name it. Let's call it 30 grand a month. And then in most parts of our country today, we can still get pretty nice homes for like five grand a month. That's cash flowing you $10,000 a month or 120K a year on an average RAL home. I wouldn't want to leave my goldfish, let alone my grandmother in most average homes. Like you said, we like to focus on much nicer homes in better parts of town. And so a lot of, you know, our homes and our students' homes are definitely at a higher level tier where maybe their rates are six, seven, eight thousand dollars a month per resident, but it's a much nicer home in a much better part of town. So the cash flow on average should be bringing you in 10 grand on that one home upwards of we have students making 20, 30, even 40 grand a month net on just one RAL home. Wow. Now, when you look at it that way, that's a game changer. That changes everything, right? Yep. And we have a lot of different listeners. Some of them are still doing single family fix and flips, right? Yep. Or whatever that is, but it's all about having cash flow strategies. Yes. Now, I love the fact that the way you guys backed into this was because of your grandma, right? Yeah. So to me, and when we think about the population where the world is, like where a lot of the baby boomers are at, they're right now at this age where this is vital, right? And what is the supply and demand? Like, is there still deficit or where are we at there? Yeah, actually, currently the silent generation is who lives in assisted living. It's not the baby boomers yet, right? Yeah. So yeah, they're not there yet, right? Yeah. There's only 44 million in the silent generation, but there's 76 million in the baby boomer generation. And they're still 10, 20 years out from really needing home care and assistance. But we are currently 1.3 million beds short. NIC is projecting we're only adding about 50,000 beds per year. So this is a massive opportunity or a major crisis. If you're listening and you've ever had a loved one who had this situation, you know that it's not like, oh, I think mom's going to start needing care in the next couple of months or years. It's like, she needs it now. What do we do? I'm just thinking about it. Like, I mean, everybody, like, it's not like it's hard to find someone. Oh, they needed assisted living. It's very easy to see this. Yeah. Like, you don't have to look very far. You're like, oh, yep. I saw that. I know that, right? And when you put that together, then you think about like, okay, for what you guys do, the residential assisted living, that is a piece that no one else is touching that so many people want. Yeah. Now, how do you market it though? So you get a house. Yeah. You've got this thing, you've built it, but how do you get the people in it? How do they know about you? Great question. 
the big boxes you drive by the Brookdale Sunrise Atrium, they've got the big yep. signage, they've got the commercials, the billboards, and we don't necessarily have the budget to do that. But 80% of our clients actually come from large facilities. And they're so disappointed in the care and service that they've been receiving that they're looking for an alternative. So you want all the regular resources like having a Facebook page, having a website, having brochures and business cards. But also there's an entire industry of people called placement agents, basically like a realtor for assisted living. When your loved one needs home care and assistance, they're asking you location, amenities, budget, and then they're bringing you into these homes or facilities to say, does this fit? If you choose that facility after working with the placement agent, the homeowner owes the placement agent either a half of the first month's rent or the full first month's rent. But I'll pay the first month's rent all day because this person's staying for an average of three and a half years. It's a great trade-off. Three and a half years. Wow. Yeah. At five grand to eight grand to 10 grand, depends on your facility. Yeah. Per bed. Yeah. Wow. You have turnover because we don't all live forever, right? Yeah. That's part of what happens. People have to check out. People check out. And so it is what it is, but it's not this... Obviously, with apartments, you know this more than anybody. A lot of people are there for six months or a year, and then that's it. There's a lot of turnover. You have to be constantly marketing. We still want to be constantly marketing. I'm marketing even if my beds are full because the moment they're not, I don't want to then go in panic mode. I want to have a waiting list. You want to have a waiting list of like if they want to get in. And that's the key is like you match it up with exceptional service, right? Your staff, your people, right? And location, 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 location. Yes. Right? Because they're not going out there and doing a kickflip in the backyard and jumping off the diving pool, right? But they still want a nice facility that feels nice and reminds them and allows them to be comfortable. Yes. Has all the amenities of home and all the love and comfort and dignity that we all deserve in our last years of life, for sure. Yeah, because that's what they really want is their dignity, right? I mean, I look at my grandma. My grandma went to a home and I was like, God, you go in there and it smells just like the worst ever smell you've ever smelled in your life. I know. And you're like, this is it? I know. It's so sad. What a crappy way to go. You're like, this could be me. That's what I really started saying. Yeah. I'm looking at my wife. I'm like, how do we not ever go here? Yes. (laughs) And we always tell people, like we mentioned earlier, right? Like, Having one of these homes lets you design where you want to be in your last year. Yeah. Hey, where I'm going, this is where I'm checking into, right? We walk into our homes and every time I'm like, wow, this is like a luxury upscale mansion in Scottsdale. And I'm like, I want to live here right now. What do your residents say? Like, do you ever get them to give you testimonials? All the time. What's even more special is that. That's going to be so cool. I know. It really is because. Being a landlord of regular single family rentals, I mean, you're getting punches in the wall, right? People breeding pit bulls in the living room and dissecting their motorcycles in the dining room. And it's just like, oh my gosh, right? (laughs) And this industry, it's like, you're getting that check for six grand and it's wrapped in a love letter. And sometimes it's from the senior saying thank you, but oftentimes it's from the families. They're saying, thank you for the care. Thank you for taking care of mom. Yep. She's happy, right? Yep. That nice fat check. We didn't know what to do because I've also seen it on the other hand of like when someone's not equipped to take care of someone yeah, and they're older themselves, right? Think about it. Like the reality is 
<laughs> the people that are taking their kids are not kids. They're 65, 70 themselves. Yes. And their parents are now 85, 90. Yes. Right? And so it's a lot of work. It is. I just watched my mom do it. Yeah. Her sister went into a home because she didn't like the level of care, right? And this was in a more of a facility. Yeah. Right? What's the acronym you guys use? R-A-L. RAL. Yep. Okay. I want to say RALA, but okay. Just find another A to put on there, there back go. in for court. <laughs> Country grammar. But my mom was just like every day. And dude, there was times I looked at her and she was just like, she was so beaten. Yeah. She was just exhausted. Yeah. Right. And this went on for a year and a half. Mm. And now she's at a facility, but she doesn't feel like it's the right care. Mm. And so my mom's just doing extra all the time. She's like, well, they won't do it. Or like, I'm sure you hear those stories all the time. Literally every day. It's so sad. And it's actually like sick the way that our system is set up to just fail these people. And it's not okay. Like, I think more people should be angry about this. They should be pissed about this. They should be trying to do something to help. But the reality is not all of us are born to be caregivers. I know I'm not like, that's just not my nature and my being. And when you have kids, like you don't want them wiping your bum. Like you wiped their bum and you're fine with that, but you don't want them wiping yours. Like you just feel really weird and uncomfortable about it. Yeah. Again, it's about that piece of uh, manlyhood or whatever womanhood. It's like, no, no, no. And so there's a lot of dignity that comes involved. And it's like, your ego is just getting smashed when you're older. And it's like, you want to do these things yourself, but you may not be physically capable. And so someone who is licensed to do this, who has the heart to do this, who is somewhat of a stranger to you, right? That caregiver, it's like, I'd much rather have them do it because they're licensed to do it. I don't want my kid doing that to me. It just is very uncomfortable. So I think it's important as families come to these decisions in their lives to be thinking, what are their natural God-given skills? And if it is to be a caregiver, then amazing, but it is a lot of hard work. And a lot of seniors don't feel confident or comfortable having their loved ones in the intimate setting with them like that. Hey, would you like to learn more about Kahuna Investments in our deal room? Let's do virtual coffee. Book a 15-minute call with us so we can learn more about your investment goals and how Kahuna Investments can help. Go to kahunainvestments.com forward slash coffee to book your call today. Again, that's kahunainvestments.com forward slash coffee. Let's have some virtual coffee and get to know one another. Yeah. Now, is it hard to find the staff of the people? Let's touch base on that a little bit. Yeah. So staffing is definitely a grand scale issue in the senior housing. Because that's the business part of it, right? For sure. I mean, they're the reason you can be hands off, right? Because they're there being the frontline care to the residents and the family and doing the cooking, cleaning, candlestick making, baking, you name it, right? Right. And so it's so important to find the right people. And in our training, we focus a lot on staffing because when you find the right people and you treat them with loyalty and respect and appreciation, it changes the game, right? Well, because I'm thinking about on the other side of that, right? It's the big corporations, your number, your number, your number, your number, right? And everybody wants to have value and say, I matter, right? Yes. And you can probably pay a little bit more than someone else yeah. and get a better quality. I mean, I'm not sure exactly how it works, but fair wage, but there's people out there that want that experience too, right? 
Absolutely. I heard this thing one time that said when surveyed during the great resignation, right? The last maybe 2020 to 2022, 70% of people who left their jobs said they did not leave for more money. They left because they did not feel appreciated. And when I heard that, it hit me because I was like, every industry is saying, oh, it's hard to find good employees. How about employers start taking responsibility and accountability for the way that they treat their staff? They respecting them, telling them, thank you, loving on them. When you're just driving around the Ferrari and you're not thanking the people who got you there, right? Like that's not cool. Why would someone want to work for you if you're going to have like this egotistical attitude and not be grateful? To me, it's like all about how can I support them? How can I respect them, love them, tell them thank you times a thousand so that they feel this, like, I want to be here. My boss appreciates me. It's the little things. It's when you walk in and everybody looks tired, be like, I'm going to go get a Starbucks round. Like, what does everybody want? It's the little things to the big things. We've had students who have bought their administrators cars, right? Like a two, $300 payment for you when you're cash flowing 30, 40 grand a month, it's nothing to them. It's everything. And that loyalty and that love and that respect that goes forever. I'm not telling you to buy all your staff cars, but you know, like it's the small things to the big things. It's their tire blows out and maybe you buy them a new tire because that could be their whole weeks of wages. Especially with the prices of tires right now, man. Oh my God. <laughs> but it's so true. Like people misquote the Bible verse, right? Money is the root of evil. That's not what it says. It says the love of money is the root of evil. And I think that that's important to remember. Making money is not a bad thing. It's an amazing thing. But if you're a bad steward of $10, you're going to be a bad steward of 10 million. So check yourself and check your heart and how you deal with money and respect and love for the people who get you to the top, because it's a great thing to make money, but have your heart in the right place. Yeah, I love the fire. I can tell that's a passion point. And it should be, right? Because culture today and attitude in the way that the work environment is created is more important than ever, Like, especially when it's hard to find the right people. But they also want to work for something more than just a dollar. And so if you bring that to the equation with your gifts, your heart, and make sure that the people matter, they'll go and jump on your cross and do whatever. Like They'll carry that burden with you. They will. And they'll love it, doing it, because they'll give them pride. Yes. Right. That's my joy and my honor to bring that opportunity because when you do everything yourself as a solopreneur, and a lot of people in real estate get caught up in that, right? Like I'm going to do it all myself. It's like, you're actually robbing other people of using their God-given skills to do the job that God called them to do. So it's like, stay in your lane, hire amazing people, treat them with respect. And everything actually goes a lot smoother than all this high turnover and unhappiness. It's actually simple when you break it down to the core of it. Boom. It's simple when you break it down, right? (laughs) Now, kind of start to wrap it up here, but like scale though. Okay, so you talked about these people. Do I need to scale or can I just start with one or do I need to buy like three? We usually, obviously, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? Start with one, get your feet wet, make sure that you like to do this. But if you're going to do it, then why not really do it? We highly encourage at least having three homes within 20 to 40 minutes of each other because... Then you can scale and staff, right? Your staff, right? Your staff, they may be working 10 or 12 hour shifts. So it's like a nurse, right? Three on four off. Well, when they're off, they're not off. They're working at... Joe Schmo home down the road. If you don't have a second home, if you have two homes, they can work three or four days for you here, three or four days for you here. You don't pay overtime and they get to stay in the same work culture and environment. So 
we highly encourage people to go to three, but we've had students go nine, 10, 26. I mean, if you're looking to package up and sell to the hedge funds, I would go 10 or more. Right. Yep. That makes so much sense. Now, this is the beautiful part. I'm going to segue here because um, this is what you guys teach each and every day. Yep. Right. And for everybody listening right now, Isabel is really, she is a phenomenal, you've listened to her right now. She's a phenomenal speaker, educator, and she cares. Like there are coaches that probably do it wrong, right? And that's not you. That's not you. That's not your team. That's not your culture. You guys go above and beyond in what you do. So I want to thank you for that, by the way, because not enough people do it the way that you do it. I think it is very uplifting and I want to compliment you on it, right? Secondly, how do people go out and find your company? If they want to learn more about this whole Rawls system, where do they go? Yeah, we are on all social media at ralacademy.com. But also if you want to schedule a call with me or one of my team members, you can head to ral101.com. We've got free books, free webinars. Like I said, you can schedule a call or get registered for one of our trainings there, ral101.com. Oh, that is so awesome. Great URL. Now, as we wrap up too, when you think about people that are starting this business, right? And then we have a lot of newbies. We have a lot of seasoned people. I like to try to speak to both of them. What words of advice would you give them as an entrepreneur? You know what? I think in any form of real estate investing entrepreneurship that you're going to do, the number one trait that I see in people who are successful is grit. If you are not willing to get hit in the face and get back up, then this is not the industry for you, right? Like there's so many people who are going to tell you, no, you can't, you won't, you're not rich enough, smart enough, strong enough. You don't know what you're doing. You have to be willing to just take a beating and keep going. Your why has to be strong. You have to be passionate. You have to have something that's more than just motivation or inspiration. It's got to be like deep within you to know why you're doing this so that when days are tough, you don't stop because the people who stop are the ones who we don't hear about. It's the Michael Jordan who lost 26 games, who's cut from the basketball team. It's the Oprah who wasn't a fit for TV. Steve Jobs unceremoniously removed from his own company. Those are the people we remember, the people who were told no and got back up and kept pushing. And did it anyways. And did it anyways, right? So in any form of real estate investing, entrepreneurship, I always tell people like, have grit. That's the one thing nobody can take from you. Only you can take it from you. Oh, well said. Any books that you've been reading lately that you'd like to share that, that has had an impact on you? Hmm. My favorite book right now is actually 5 a.m. Club. Have you read that? Uh-uh. It's a good one. I don't know if it's fiction or nonfiction. It feels fiction, but it's just a story about a guy who, you know, waking up early, seizing life, whatever. But I really like it. It's super inspirational. And I'm totally like a live life like it's your last day type of person. Do you wake up at 5 a.m.? <laughs> I do try. The whole thing is to wake up before 5 even, and that's a little tough for me. <laughs> no, that's crazy. That's ludicrous speed. Yes. I'm a 5 a.m. My alarm went off this morning at 5 a.m., right? Yeah. I didn't wake up this morning like I was supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like 5 a.m., 5.30. But 5.30, I finally got the nerve. But usually, most of the time, I'll wake up before my alarm goes off. But I used to never be a 5 a.m. guy. Yeah. It took me a long, long time. And I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older and I get tired now. <laughs> but, yeah. but I am now a morning guy. And I used to never be a morning, but I love my mornings because that's my time. 
Yes. I don't know what that book's about, but like I just know that I found at 5 a.m., I don't go to work till 9. So yep. I've got from 5 to 9. To do you. Four magic hours. Yep. Just to go play with Corey, right? Just like I can go to the gym. I can go read a book. I can get to do me stuff. A lot of times I walk with my wife. We hold hands. There you go. That's what it's about. It's just about doing something that's you because so many times we're just running through our day doing stuff for everybody else and there's no time for you. And so it's like waking up and having those little magical hours of just spending time how you want it to be spent. And I love that. It doesn't have to be work, right? It should be something special that makes you happy and fulfills your life because we only have so many days, so many hours, right? Beautiful. Yes. What's the URL one more time? RAL101.com. Guys, I want to thank you for the time taking. Esbo, thanks for taking the time to come on this show. Everybody listening right now, this is, again, I tell you this every episode almost. Like, we are not the average, like, podcast here. We bring in people that have ideas, that have uh, resources, that know how to move the needle. And Isabel is a perfect example of someone that has went through it. She has the grit. She knows what it's like. She's been kicked down and she didn't stop. She got back up. She kept moving forward, right? It's the Rocky movie. Entrepreneurship is Rocky. Yeah. Like, if you ever wonder what it is, it's getting beat by Clubber Lang and knowing that you're going to have to have a rematch because you're not going to quit. Guys, success does not happen by chance. It comes in the thought of an idea. Take that idea, guys, and manifest it and grow it and protect it. I'm telling you, success will come find you guys, right? If you believe it, you can achieve it. And your paradise is possible. Mm-hmm.